everybody, and welcome back to Indie Comics. I'm your host, Maddie. And I'm Brandon. And we have an incredible comic for you guys today. This is so special. I just don't even have the words for it. Um, we're going to take the next half hour and tell you all about it um, because no single sentence can explain. Um, but it's called Bear. It's incredible. And we have the amazing creator, Ben Queen, here with us. Ben, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, guys. Thank you for that lovely introduction. I'm Ben Queen. I'm the writer of Bear. This is my first graphic novel, first comic, but uh, I've done animated movies and stuff. I worked at Pixar for five and a half years. I wrote a couple movies for them, a couple of the Cars movies, and um, and, I, and I write for television out here in LA. I've created a few TV shows that nobody watched, so that's me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm sure a lot of people watched them, um, <laughs> but I love that you just casually dropped you. Like, I mean, I did those Cars movies that were insanely successful, like whatever. <laughs> um, what kind of got you your start? I think before we get into even comics, how did you kind of find... I know you did TV that was not necessarily children's media, um, but something that was kind of all ages friendly, like working with Pixar. And it seems like you have a real knack for stor storytelling for all ages. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Well, I, I went to USC film school in the undergraduate writing program there and really didn't intend to write for all ages ever. Um, I was sort of interested <laughs> in grown up stuff, you know, and uh, was trying to make it as a screenwriter and TV writer in LA and, and was getting work and wasn't really getting a lot of stuff made. And it wasn't until I got the job at Pixar um, writing Cars 2 that things started to change for me because I went up there and at Pixar, like everybody is so in touch with their childhood there. I mean, you go to like any of the desks or offices and everybody's just got toys and games and, you know, uh, cartoon cells and, and these are a lot of these people didn't have, have kids themselves. They were just really in touch with, I mean, I, I guess you could call it geek culture, right? But it wasn't really that. It was more just like they had such a sense of who they were from when they were a really young person to who they were now. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I started to just sort of remember what it was like um, reading comics and and watching all those great, you know, animated films when I was a kid. And then I had kids of my own simultaneously. And that those two things together really made me uh, enjoy all ages writing. If that, does that make sense? Absolutely. And I will admit that I worked at Disneyland for a while and I was 100% one of those people. Um, <laughs> I had just like so many things at my desk and I had like Pooh Bear stuff and Haunted Mansion stuff and Cinderella stuff. And like, it was insane and people made fun of me, but also I feel like it was just like something that people kind of do there. And I love that there is a culture of... Um, you know, kind of not losing your inner child because I don't have kids yet and I don't care. I've got <laughs> a lot of baby Yoda stuff for myself over the past few months and I'm really not sorry. Um, yeah, I but, just saw they have the new baby Yoda Lego thing, which I'm really excited about. Oh, no, don't tell me that I didn't know about that one. <laughs> My dog already has a Halloween costume. Like, we are ready to go. We just have to figure out how to get him to wear it. <laughs> So did you get kind of into comics then through that experience working at Pixar and, and making these feature films? I was a big comics uh, kid. You know, I, I, I loved reading the DC comics in particular, uh, Teen Titans and all that nice. stuff um, and collected them uh, up until I was like 14 or 15 years old and kind of lost, lost interest. And then, yeah, kind of re got reinvigorated for me um, once I, once I had kids and, 
they were getting into, I mean, there's so much great uh, cartoons and, and um, animated stuff. And, and the comics now are incredible. Like they didn't have, Definitely. they didn't have like, you know, half the, the amazing stuff that they did when I was younger. So yeah, I started to get back into it then. So when you got back into it, um, what were you more drawn to? Were you drawn to like the kids stuff since you had been at Pixar for so long or was it just everything across the board that kind of got your attention? Oh, it was definitely reconnecting with, with uh, the characters and story I was, stories I was into. So Superman, Teen Titans, um, you know, even stuff like uh, Ghost Knight and things like that. I mean, like really, really, um, really stuff that, that I could read with my, with my sons too. Cause I got two older boys. Um, but you know, I, I'm still more of a TV and movie buff. I'm not, I'm not like your full on comics, uh, person even now. All right. Well, you're kicked out. You're not allowed to write. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think that's something that's really interesting too, though. You talk about reading it with your sons, but I think so often, children's literature or all ages literature or however you want to say it is a little deeper and a little darker than things that are made for adults in a lot of ways. And I think um, your comic bear really gets into that, right? Like it's a very touching, very emotional story about a dog. <laughs> and so I think, you know, I don't know. I feel like a lot of times that stuff really hits you and, and you know, half of it goes over kids' heads, I think. Um, but then as an adult, when you're watching it, um, it's really powerful. And so what inspired Bear? And can you tell us a little bit about this amazing graphic novel? Uh, sure. I mean, it, it was inspired by a couple of things. One, working at Pixar and seeing specifically the movies of Pete Docter. So, you know, talking about Up and um, and Inside Out. And I just really uh, was struck by how he was able to use the animation medium in a way that really connected emotionally to experiences. Um, but also really those movies can only be made as animated films. And so I was always in the back of my mind just sort of looking for a story that I felt was right for that. So I started thinking of it first as a movie. Um, and then I started reading about visual blindness, which is um, another, uh, Dr. Oliver Sacks refers to it as inner vision which is this idea that, that blind people, uh, people who've lost their sight, um, still visualize the world. You know, Their cerebral cortex is still working. They're still able to um, picture things in their mind based on their memory, their context clues, and their imagination. So if they have a memory of something and they walk into a room, they're going to picture a room. And I just didn't know that. I, th I thought that was really fascinating. And I started to interview blind people, people that had lost their sight, um, and asked them, you know, how do you see the world? I did a lot of reading about it. And it was really interesting. And I thought, well, if there's a way to tell an emotional story, an entertaining story that could also show uh, the world how, how blind people see the world, um, it could be really, really cool. And then I met up with um, the people at Boom Studios who create such great uh, material, um, comics and graphic novels, as you know. And and they were like, have you ever thought of this as a, as a graphic novel? And it just felt like uh, a great way to jump in and just do it, you know, creatively. Yeah. Um, not as proof of concept for a movie, not as a, as a feature script, but just like, let's tell the story that I want to tell. Um, and so it came out of that. 
was that really liberating then kind of getting to tell your own story? Because I mean, obviously boom is a studio and you're working with, you know, an editor and a team and all of this, but also I know we love boom. Shout out to boom. Um, they give a lot of creative license and it's really about your story and what you want to tell. And I know, you know, had it been a, a film or a series or anything like that, it would have gone through so many iterations and had so many people's hands in it. What did it mean to you to kind of create it on your own and have it be an independent comic? Well, yeah, I, I, totally. I mean, I should say, you know, the story is just, it's about a, a, a seeing eye dog, <clears throat> a guide dog for the blind who uh, loses his sight. And he sets out to get his eyesight back, he thinks, um, so that he can be there for his owner. So it's from the point of view of a, of a guide dog, which is adds a whole other level of emotion to it. But so in my first meeting with them about this, I I, I pitched that to them and they just really responded to it. And so you know how it is, you know, with creative endeavors, it's like, if you find like-minded people that just get it, you're sort of in your heart, you're just sort of like, oh, let's do this together. Let's, yeah. let's jump into this. Um, and they were, yeah, they were totally supportive. I mean, that's the great, I mean, I had no idea that this is how, and I, I mean, you could, you guys could probably tell me based on other creators that you've talked to and your own experience with comics, but I was like, oh, they let you do what you want to do like you can actually create and and um I, I was i felt so liberated and it was such a great experience that is really awesome and that's i mean that's what we're about right it's indie comics and there's something so magical about that experience of being able to to have something that's truly yours and that it's the story you want to tell and it's not you know as wonderful as superman is there's only so many superman stories that you can tell and you know, he has to be a certain way and it has to be this and it has to be that. And I think with independent comics, you get such a new level of creativity. And I think certainly I've never seen something like this. It's got something that I think can touch everybody. Um, Brandon and I just got a puppy. So I am deeply emotionally invested in a story about a dog. Um, but I think it's just such a human story, even though it's about a dog. Um, and and emotional and it doesn't surprise me that you worked at Pixar because I super almost cried at the end. <laughs> um, it definitely, and not to, for those of you like me that don't want to read things that make you cry, don't worry. It's not one of those. It's very good and very positive. Um, but it's emotional and it's touching. And I think what um, drew you to the story in particular, which is so much about seeing, but not necessarily seeing with your eyes, but, um, you know, understanding, you know, I think Bear gets to see the way that Patrick, his owner, human, we'll call him his human, um, sees and yeah, his friend exactly at the end. And I think understanding what is a job and, and what goes beyond that. And, um, I think it's just such a lovely story that has so many different layers that you can, um, look into and what really compelled you to tell this story. I know you've talked a little bit about, um, you know, I, you had a great term for it that I've already forgotten. Um, inner vision and uh, inner vision is, is what Doc uh, is what Oliver Sacks called it. Yeah, I mean, the idea that you could show uh, sort of creatively how a blind person sees the world, but then the frankly, like the entertainment value of that, I thought was interesting because it's all it's all based on sort of how how you see the world, you know, I talked to this, um, this visual artist, uh, who is blind in Texas, this guy named John Bramblett. Oh, he was interviewed for this. And, um, he was saying like, you know, I, I can hear a car on the street and I picture a car in my mind, but you know, it could be a motorcycle. It could be a red truck for all I know. It's, it's really all about, um, 
whatever pops into his head based on what he knows. And the idea yeah. that that this dog story that he ventures out into a world that is unfamiliar to him and and the way he views things is based on his very limited dog-like perspective, I thought it could be really funny. Like at one point he climbs into a pipe in the story, but he pictures like a smoking pipe, you know, a giant meerschaum smoking <laughs> pipe like Sherlock Holmes would have. Or he's in a, he finds himself in a bear's den. And when he finds out it's a den, he pictures the, a den that one of his previous owners had with club chairs and a stack of books, you know? That and was my favorite. <laughs> I just thought, well, that's cool. And then like, you know, what, what if he meets somebody that he really trusts, like a cute little raccoon and he would view a cute little raccoon. And if that raccoon were to turn on him, well, then how would he view that raccoon? Would he be a scary old raccoon? And then to take it to its logical place of like, well, they go into a giant city and he doesn't know what that looks like. And the story just kept getting bigger and cooler and more adventurous. So it really, for me, was about like, oh, this is a big, fun adventure. Um, and then the emotional stuff was just, for me, it was built in because like a scene eye dog loses his sight. I'm, I'm already feeling like, oh, I, right. I, can, <laughs> I can get behind this character. You had me at Bear, which yeah. also Bear is like one of my favorite dog names of all time. Um, the dog we just got is a beagle, so his name's Kovu, um, <laughs> but which is totally stolen from the Lion King. Um, but I've always dreamed of having like a giant dog named Bear. So that is just so sweet. And then I love that he meets real bears and thinks of them just as bigger versions of him. Um, yeah. But yeah, this this play with perspective and it's kind of like a homeward bound story, but with these extra levels um, of understanding and trust and, you know, meeting these other animals and actually having to totally trust them to guide him around and to learn how to hear with his nose and hear, you know, or excuse me, see with his nose and see with his ears. And um, yeah, it was just really, really beautiful and adventurous and interesting. And also I tend to read comics very, very slowly. Tyler can um, <laughs> agree with this. And it's such a, a quick but powerful read. You know, like you can really pour over it um, and take your time, but also it's not going to take you all day to read, which I, I, I appreciate for a graphic novel, um, which gets us into the art, which is just incredible. Joe Todd Stanton. Um, did Boom pair you guys up? How did you meet? Um, through Archaea, which is their sort of, you know, graphic novel. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we, we looked through a, a, a variety of different sort of styles as, as an initial conversation. And Joe's books were always just sitting there. And I was sort of like, well, you know, if, if he's available, I mean, I, I, it would be, could we out <laughs> Joe, you know, and they were huge fans of his there. They're the ones that, that suggested him in the first place as well. And we were just, I couldn't believe that he wanted to do it. I felt very lucky. And and his initial character designs were so right, you know, it just, they, they didn't change hardly at all, I don't think. And he just, he, he added a, a sweetness to it, um, which was, which was really special. Um, and not only that, it's a complicated story. Uh, it doesn't sound it fully when I'm, when we're talking about it here in this form, but when you, when you read it, if, it, if not done right, if Joe doesn't sell it in the, in the panels, it could be really confusing, and he he sells it beautifully. And as a as a result, it is a quick read. I, I was so lucky to have him. Yeah, his art is just absolutely incredible. The colors, the style, it just feels perfect for the story, and especially because we're talking about visuals so much, like it, it just has to be 
a graphic novel or a comic or a movie or something that you can see ironically sadly um, but you get these images of you know they're describing well what is a forest i've never been to a forest and the raccoons say well just you know the big tree that they bring in for once a year for holidays and so he's just imagining this entire forest of christmas trees but like lit up with all the lights and like it's so beautiful and so fun and imaginative and you have these great panels where you go in and out of like what he's imagining versus what's really there and just incredible, incredible job um, of of making these visuals fit in with the story. And like, I can't, I can't praise Joe enough um, for his incredible artistry um, there. So, you know, really encourage if you're a fan of, of beautiful art. It's like, that's something too with like, this isn't necessarily like a kid's book, but I feel like it has that level of art that just really... Like there's certain things where you open it and you're just like, wow, <laughs> like, let me live in this. Let me be here for a few minutes. And I think, you know, people of all ages can really appreciate that and, and would be super engaged just by the art. I agree. I, and, you know, Joe's big, his other big contribution, I thought was, you know, early on, we were talking about what it looks like when Bear visualizes his, his, his blind visual world. And it was Joe's idea to focus on a, a single color for each, uh, for for his for each um, for for his smell and for hearing, so that it wasn't just um, mm. a path of colors. I mean, it's it's yeah. blue for one and green for another, and it really helps differentiate that a bit. And I thought that was a helpful uh, clarity tool as well. Yeah, I was actually going to bring up the panels that show Bear losing his vision feels so powerful. And then when he uses his senses, like the color that's used to describe that sense makes you feel like you're sensing it with him. And it's like, it's fantastic. Yeah. And something then with that, you mentioned that uh, you had interviewed a lot of um, people who were blind to kind of get more information about this and understand perspectives. What was that experience like of really uh, being able to tell that story, you know, as someone that's not blind, uh, how how did you take into consideration kind of what they shared and, and kind of feel like you're doing justice to, to those people? Well, that's uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, that's something that I did take from Pixar too. They do so much research on, on the stories that they do. Um, I mean, even on, even on those cars movies, I mean, they, it is just, there are months and months and months of research trips so that every little detail is specific. And, and so I really wanted to get it right. Um, and I really honestly wasn't sure if it was a story until I started to, to get the, the, the feedback and the interviews. Like then when you start hearing like, no, that is how I view the world. Um, but then like the little details that come out of those interviews find their way into the book. Like um, the person who like one of the interviews was with someone who runs a guide dog school. And she talked about mm. this is just a small thing, but she talked about how the 24 hour, uh, the 24 seven emergency line is her cell phone. And I just thought that yeah. like, little details like that are so, you can't come up with stuff like that. Like, um, and, and so I really just wanted anybody reading this book at any point to be able to, when they're reading about what it's like to be blind in the experience, to have it be completely real and not, uh, not ginned up like so many Hollywood stories are, you know? Yeah, and with that, with you wanting anyone to really be able to get something from it, was there a specific audience that you're writing for and like something you wanted them to get out of it? Or was it just you wanting to get your story out? Yeah, no, it's interesting. I, I, I really didn't think of this as like something for kids necessarily. I just, um, 
I just wanted it to be a, a great story. Um, and there were a couple moments where we actually had to pull back a little bit because it was a, like a, it skewed a little too adult. Um, mm. And and my editors were like, well, remember, this could really appeal to younger kids, which hadn't even really honestly occurred to me because I'm, I'm a real dum-dum. Um, <laughs> and, but so it wasn't until it was actually it's been really neat to see the book come out and see um, how people respond to it and, and have them go like, oh, you know, I can read this to my 12 year old or I can read this to my eight year old. My six year old maybe is a little too young for this or yeah. I'm or I'm 50 and I loved the book. So, um, yeah, I didn't really have a, a sense of it, but I, I do feel like it's very all ages. I mean, I, I, I feel like any any younger than um, seven and it's it's a little hard to to follow some of it, but but uh, yeah, it's funny. Like when I was at Pixar, it's like all those guys there, Andrew Stanton and and Pete, and they never really talked about writing for for kids. It was all just about like this was a story they wanted to tell, and so I I I, I always respected that, you know. And I feel like that's so true of this too. It's something that I think is great for kids because I think they can learn from it, and it's that like emotional intelligence too of like empathy and feeling and, and having these adventures, but certainly anyone could read this and love it. Um, but I think it is, I think it's hard to write <laughs> something that kids can enjoy too, right? Um, it's actually more challenging than anything else. Um, but now I'm curious, what's the inside scoop? What, what was something that you maybe had to cut because it was getting a little too... <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, well, I shouldn't have said too adult, but there was like a, for instance, I wanted to show him put in his uh, ocular prostheses, which is another fancy yeah. name for glass, for glass eyes. I wanted to see him put him in, in, in his eyes so you could see that that's, cause they're really, I mean, I don't know if you've seen the ocular prosthesis that they have now are so amazing looking and, yeah. and you can't even tell that someone doesn't, if they don't have, you know, eyes, you can't even tell that. And I wanted to show that. And they were like, well, maybe you don't, <laughs> maybe that's a little, <laughs> Gnarly well, I, I know there's a, uh, I almost said a shot, so I'm thinking about like a film team, um, but there's a panel of him kind of holding them in his hand. I do remember that because I was like, well, those are his eyes. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was sort of compromise, which I think is better. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I wasn't expecting you to be like, well, there was this horror scene at the end that I had to yeah. cut. <laughs> it is. It's interesting to kind of think of what, you know, what works and what maybe doesn't. And I think that's where it is helpful to have a publisher sometimes. And I know a lot of people that we talk to, you know, we talk to everything from Kickstarter just to, you know, bigger studios like Boom. And so um, it's nice sometimes to talk it through with other people and see where it works and maybe where it doesn't. And um, did you go through a lot of editing with this or did it kind of stay true to your original vision and plan? It stayed true to my original vision and plan, but the editors that I worked with, um, uh, Sierra Hahn and Amanda Lafranco, they were both really helpful and they gave great feedback throughout. Um, and, and that was their idea, that little, that little bit about the, the, the glass eyes, for instance. So, and, and they helped sort of streamline it a little bit. I was, I was, I had added a little more and we cut it down a little and, but they were, I mean, they were great. So great. That's awesome. Uh, what do you love the most about Bear? Oh, uh, I just, I feel so lucky to have, to have had the opportunity to get it out there, but I love that people are responding to it. I love that people are having an emotional mm. reaction to it when they read it. And, and the fact that, 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 um, that people are tearing up a little bit and, uh, I think is really great. I, it, to, to me, it, it's exactly what you were saying about empathy. It's like, if the, the book is about empathy in a way, and the fact that people are relating to this dog, I think is so cool. 
Yeah, you definitely got us. <laughs> I just need it like, okay, I'm fine. It's all fine. It's 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 a happy ending. You're okay. Um, but even just the way the animals come together and everything too, like I think so many parts of this are just not what you're expecting. I talked about, um, I think very, rather ineloquently, <laughs> but this idea of seeing, right. And, and, you know, judging a book by its cover or judging, you know, based on what you think. And I think sometimes, you know, you have an actual bear that is feeling really special because the dog doesn't see him as this big, scary bear because the dog can't see. Um, and he realizes that later it is kind of hurt, but also understands that, you know, it is maybe more about his personality and they kind of become friends. And I think, um, and then I don't want, I don't want to give too much away from the ending, but there's other motivations from characters that, um, that are not what you expect. And I think that's so wonderful is things, you know, often aren't what you expect. And I think when you take away one of your senses, um, you're almost more open to that. And I think that's really special. And that's something that you can think about. And um, there's a lot of layers to this book. And I loved it, you know, for something that, you know, it's it's a complicated story, but it's not super, you know, it's something that a seven year old could follow. Um, and yet it's if you really sit and think about it so deep and so emotional and so well crafted, and I just give you major kudos, because I love it. So great. Thank you so much. Now, it seems like you had a lot of ways to get information and stuff for this uh, that you could pull off of and kind of use to, to help fuel your writing. But did you ever have writer's block and what did you do when you had it? In this particular story? Yeah. Or just in general when you write. I mean, it's like a, it's part of my daily life. I mean, you just hit on, <laughs> I am, I mean, I was dealing with it today. So much of, God, I think about that all the time. What you just asked. It's like so much of, of writing for me is just sitting by myself, just thinking about the same stuff, like just thinking and thinking and thinking and trying to make it work. I mean, this idea had took various forms for, I don't I'm embarrassed to say how long, but a long time before I hit on the idea of, of seeing eye dog of, excuse me, of guide dog. You know what I mean? It's like, it just, <laughs> it just wasn't the right way in and for the forever. And uh, so it's really, I, I you know, Unfortunately, you just have to sit with it for a while. In my experience, the other thing that was really helpful for me in this is talking to other people and running ideas by them. Like, this mm -hmm. is my process. This is what I'm jammed on. What do you think? I do think it helps to force yourself as a writer to have to pitch an idea to people. Like, well, this is my idea. It's about a guy and he's he's uh, he's blind, but he's part of a crew that's going to rip off a bank. It's like, well, that's not so interesting. Okay, yeah, great. I'll, I'll, I'll work on that, you know, a year <laughs> later. A year later, it's like, it's about a guide dog who loses sight. Oh, that sounds good. Okay, great. You know, <laughs> That's very true. And I think that aspect of community is so important because, you know, we have a lot of listeners that are thinking about creating their own comics or getting into writing and um, it's helpful. <laughs> Just kind of like anything but staring at the blank page, right? Um, so I think talking to people is a, a great um, perspective. But do you have any other advice to people kind of starting out? You've done so much, you know, in different mediums and you're heading into comics, which is super exciting for, for us because <laughs> we can't wait to hear more from you. Um, but what, what advice would you give to people starting out on their writing journeys? Oh, well, you know, I've been lucky to be working as a writer for a long time now. Um, and, and I, the advice I always give is like, you know, develop your voice don't don't uh don't do what other people want you to to do if you can if you have yeah. the opportunity like really work on what it is that makes your voice 
special and different because everybody has a different perspective and point of view. And, um, and that's a tough thing to do because you get in there and you realize, oh, I thought my voice was this, but people are really responding to these aspects of me. And then you can adjust on that. But I, I wish I had spent more time years ago working on more personal stuff instead of writing, you know, dopey teen comedy number nine, you know. <laughs> uh, but it is, I think it's the personal stuff that really impacts people. And I think you can see that with Bear. You know, I think you you were personal and it's so heartfelt and people are responding to that. And I can't wait to hear more about what our listeners think and what the world thinks is it, you know, it's, it's available now um, just came out recently. And so um, what else are you working on in the near future? Do you have any other comics coming up? Are you, <laughs> have we hooked uh, you yet? In the no, comics world? <laughs> no, not now I'd love to do another one uh, for sure. Um, no, right now I'm writing a movie for Netflix and a television series for Netflix, which have not been announced, but, um, I'm more, mostly working on that right now. Well, we look forward to those to be announced at a soon time, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I really encourage you. I mean, you are an incredible writer and I think comics is such a special medium um, and you've got a relationship with one of the best publishers ever. Boom. Shout out to our friends. Um, we would love to see more from you. So hopefully uh, we'll be talking again in like a year or two, right? <laughs> I would love that. I really appreciate you guys taking time out to chat with me. This has been so fun. Oh my gosh, thank you for taking the time and thank you for this incredible book. I really, really encourage people to read it, whether you are 10 or 100, for those like five people in the world that are 100. Um, it's a really, really great story. It's powerful. Even if you're not a dog person, if you're a cat person, I still bet you'd like it. There's raccoons. They're almost like cats. <laughs> Sorry, cat people. Um, incredible story, incredible art. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you can find Bear at your local comic book shop. You can find it on Boom's website, which is shop.boom-studios.com. Just look up Bear, B-E-A-R. So easy. So easy. Order it from your local comic book shop. They can ship it in and get it for you, especially right now. Support your local shops. Um, it's on Amazon. It's on Comixology. It's everywhere. No excuses. Go pick it up. It's incredible. Thank you so much for joining us, Ben. And thank you, listeners, for joining in as well. You can check out our other podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and all podcast apps. You can also check out our website, thegrandgeekgathering.com, for articles, videos, and more. Please also remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Tell us how amazing Bear is. Tell us how excited you are to see it. Tell us if you have a dog named Bear my dream. You can stay updated on our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we stream on Twitch and Let's Play. The intro is provided by Carlisle Lorette, and you can buy Bear from your local comic book shop, Boom's website, Comixology, Amazon, all the places I told you. Go and get it. So come and join the gathering. Have a great week, and GGG! Grand.